evening, saints. Good to be in service tonight. Let's sing that song, Redeemed How I Love to Proclaim It, key of F. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and child and forever I am redeemed and so happy in Jesus no language my rapture can tell I know that the light of his presence with me doth continually dwell child and forever I am. I think of my blessed Redeemer. I think of him all the day long. I sing for I cannot be silent. His love is the thief my song. Redeem, redeem, the blood of the Lamb, redeem, redeem, his child and forever I am, Lazarus now, I know I shall see his beauty, the King in whose love footsteps and giveth me songs in the night. Redeem, redeem, redeem by the blood of the Lamb. Redeem, redeem his child and for my friend. She's not feeling too well. She needs our prayer. What is her name? Barbie. Okay, thank you.
not there yet. The Brad, you want to come up? Battle no tears. This still Ariel and treasure have a song. Why don't you just come right on up? All right. I like to have that on a Wednesday night special. All right. Do you need a microphone? There you go. that spell? What was that? Bible. Okay, all right. Okay. Thank you very much. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Let's all stand. Let's turn around and greet one another. This little light of mine. 
I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Hide it under a bushel No, I'm gonna let it shine Hide it under a bushel No way, I'm gonna let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Let it shine Well, this little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine This little light of mine I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Well, shine it round for all to see. I'm gonna let it shine. Shine it round for all to see. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Don't let Satan blow it out. Don't let Satan. I'm gonna let it shine. Don't let Satan. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Oh, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let, let it shine till Jesus comes. Let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine till Jesus comes. I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Well, it's the light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it once more now. Oh, this little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm gonna let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. And the people all said, Amen. You may be seated. Oh, my. Appreciate those specials. Hallelujah. I just love those wonderful children's gospel songs. All right. Let's, since we're talking about shining and light, how about Jesus, the light of the world? They actually have that E flat. So. Is that okay? It's number 142 for you. Okay? And for the rest of us, right up there in the wall. All ye saints of light proclaim Jesus, the light of the world. Life and mercy See in his name, Jesus, the light of the world. All will walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy are bright. 
shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world, hear the Savior's earnest call. Jesus, the light of the world, send the gospel truth to all. Jesus, the light of the world, yes, we'll walk in the light, beautiful light, come where the dewdrops of mercy are bright, shine all around us by day and by night, Jesus, light of the world, why not seek him then? Jesus, the light of the world, send the gospel truth. Oops, sorry. Jesus, the light of the world, will walk in the light, beautiful light, where the dewdrops of mercy are bright. Shine all around it by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. Last verse now. Come, confess him as your king. Jesus, the light of the world. Then the bells of him will ring. Jesus, light of the world oh we'll walk in the light beautiful light where the dewdrops mercy are bright shine all around us by day and by night Jesus the light of once more in that course now yes we'll walk in the light Beautiful light, come where the dewdrops of mercy are bright. Shine all around us by day and by night. Jesus, the light of the world. Hallelujah. Jesus, the light of the world. Amen. Amen. He called me to his banqueting table his banner over me is love he called me to his banqueting table his banner over me is love well he called me to his banqueting table his banner over me is love his banner over me is love. I'm my beloved and he is mine. I'm my beloved and he is mine. His banner over me is love. I'm my beloved and he is mine. Banner over me is love. I'm my beloved, he is mine. His banner over me is love. His banner 
me his love. Once more, he called me to his banqueting table. Well, he called me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. He called me to his banqueting table. His banner over me is love. He called me to banqueting table. His banner over me is love. His banner over me is love. Hallelujah. Let's sing that chorus. I've been, I'm redeemed by love divine. And if we're going to go ahead and take up the offering there, Stephen. Key of G, I think. I'm redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory. Christ is mine, all to him I now resign, I have been, I have been redeemed, I'm redeemed by the divine, oh glory, glory, Christ is mine, and all to I now resign. I have been, I have been re once more now. I'm redeemed by love divine. Oh, glory, glory. Christ is mine. And all to him I now resign. I have been. I have been redeemed. I am one of the few. Yes, I'm one of the few. And by faith in God's word, I can claim it. Though the way may seem long and the opposition strong for the bride. There's a way provided if I plan to go through just to hope will not do I must be firmly decided to follow the Lord by obeying his word and believe that I'm one of the few, yes, I'm one of the few, one of the few, and by faith in God's word I can claim it, though the way may seem long and the opposition strong, for the bride there's a way provided. If I plan to go through Just to hope will not do I must be firmly decided To follow the Lord By obeying His word And believe that One of the few 
believe that you're one of the few saints of God? Amen. We'll go ahead and change your order of service. Have loyal come tonight. Let's just sing Amazing Grace. It was amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. was lost but now I am found was blind but now I see t'was grace that taught my heart to
to fear. I made it over. How precious did that grace appear. I made it Wednesday night. Brother Juan asked me last week. Uh, he said he was going to skip town. Uh, so here we are. It's uh, fallen to our lot. My prayer always um, in these times is, in these times, like it's a trial or something. <laughs> um, but really, it's, it's, you know, God, what would you have uh, for us? You know, it's not, you know, God may be dealing with me on something, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's what he wants to deal with everyone else with. And so it's, it's just looking for the leadership of the Lord mind going in a lot of different directions, but uh, we've got um, some notes and quotes on, on just a thought here and just trusting God that uh, this is the direction he wants to go in. Uh, you may be seated, Mom. Thank you. Thanks, Dad, for jumping in there. You know, for a second there, I thought, it was like, you know what? I don't think I asked Dad to lead songs on Wednesday night. I hope someone told him, because otherwise I would have had to have Brother Steve or Jordan lead songs. And uh, yeah, that would have been good. So praise the Lord. Amen. Let's just go ahead and um, we'll just jump right into I've got a quote um, that I, I just kind of put right at the beginning and then we'll uh, stand and read the word. It's from uh, 1951 and I didn't send any quotes over but I did just send a photo of faith um, if you've got that. Uh, you don't need to put it up right now but we will in a bit. Uh, from works that I do bear witness of me. What's the matter with me here tonight? Huh? Didn't I get on the hill of praying for half a day here? and come back here and preaching the gospel before the people in a healing meeting? I don't understand it, but maybe God wants it that way. All right, whatever God wants, amen. I never was going to speak tonight about how to believe his word, but it was started something else. Well, he's here, and if I speak the truth, God bears record of me, and if I don't speak the truth, he will have nothing to do with me. Is that right? And I just, I've, there's many of these quotes that have always been an encouragement to me where, um, you even look at the prophet of God that God worked with him in many ways the same way he works with us, where we're walking out in faith. We're trusting God. God moves us. 
Uh, we may think uh, to go in a certain direction, but God will change the service or God will change our lives or God will change whatever. And uh, we just want to trust in him tonight and just tell the truth and speak the truth. And, and as God leads, we just want to walk with him. So if you want to stand tonight, let's go ahead and read the, the word. Start with Proverbs 23, verse 7. <clears throat> And we'll just take that first um, part of the verse there. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. And then, of course, it says, Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but his heart is not with thee. Um, and this is where we get uh, that extrapolation, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And Brother Brandon referenced this scripture a lot of times. Um, Luke 6, uh, verse 45. We're going to go ahead and read that. We're just going to jump around a bit. And then we'll have a word of prayer here. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. We've got some more verses, but we'll go ahead and have our word of prayer. Dear Father, Lord, we just uh, come before you once again tonight. Lord God, we don't stand in any merit of our own selves, Lord God. Certainly not, Father. We don't stand upon our, our ability or our inability, Lord God. Father, we've simply come that your spirit might make manifest of itself, Lord God, that it would speak, uh, that you would speak through us, Lord God, and to us, Lord God. Father, that would be united in your spirit and that we might draw upon you to be satisfied in whatever need or anything that we would have need of father lord i just pray tonight something would be said that would minister unto someone lord god and father we just pray that you'd take control of this service lord god and we humble ourselves once again before you lord come and stand in our shoes each one of us lord god because uh, we need you to speak but we also need you to hear what you are saying to us father we just commit it all into your hands now, Lord, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Amen. I know it's a Wednesday night. Anyone tired tonight? Hey, we got some hands. Praise the Lord. I love honesty. That's good. So, um, and that's fine. It's Wednesday. Um, I will, though. You know me. If, uh, if it seems like we're starting to lose it, then I might have people move chairs and stuff like that. It's musical chairs, have a praise off right in the middle of the service. You know, those things might seem uh, kind of silly. I've been doing a lot of studying lately on uh, biology just for fun. And the way that the biology of the body influences the mind. And uh, that actually leads us into, Faith, if you want to throw that up, we'll do a little refresher from, I think it was last year or the year before, we had preached on the gates of the body. You've got five physical senses and five spiritual senses. Faith, do you have my picture or should be in the email? You've got five physical senses and five spiritual senses, and uh, we'll talk about them uh, once it comes up there because it's a little bit easier to go through. But as the, the biological, even science recognizes, which we're, I'm not here to preach science, but even science, it's man looking at components of nature, and we know that God is found in nature. And even um, little things like, which I've talked about this before, hangry. You get so hungry, you get angry. 
it's a biological influence on your spirit that something has happened in your physical, in your flesh to the point where you start to lose it in your spirit. And that's, they're, they're dovetailed together. They're connected in a way that they, the one influences the other. So even little things like sitting in service for a really long time, there's a biological element that starts to influence the spirit. Now, we might be listening away and we're like, oh, yeah, praise God, or whatever. We might think that. But if we're not bringing about any action in our body, your body can start to, it, I mean, it's pure biology. Your body starts to pool the blood. Your heart rate's kind of lowering. You're kind of just starting to drift off into that kind of just cozy, like, uh, I think I'll go to sleep. <laughs> and that happens. That's a natural outcome. And of course, now, if Satan can get a hold of that, because we've also got a spiritual enemy in addition to that, Satan can get a hold of that, and he'll ride over you with a cloud of doubt or cloud of even more sleepiness or whatever. And now you start to, he starts to build upon that so that you're, you're falling into an atmosphere. So it's one of the reasons why we talk about things like switching seats or getting up and getting your body moving. Um, it's, it's uh, I don't know, maybe it's, it's unique to me um, in some ways, but I think that it's important because we're bringing our body under subjection. Brother Branham taught raising your hand. He taught this over and over again. That seems like a really small thing. That's, oh, you know, what's the point? You know, that doesn't even matter. And he, but he signified that that shows that there's something in you that has a will. You have the ability to raise your hand. You're not just a bump on a log. You have a spirit that ordains and orders. So now you've reversed it, that the body isn't bringing the spirit in subjection to it. But you're causing the spirit to bring the body under subjection to the spirit. And that's the way we want it. And that's one of the reasons why we do what we do. It's the same thing with praising. It's the same thing with worship. We're, we're allowing the spirit of God to, to come into our spirits. Now it's coming out from the soul. If you want to throw the picture up there, we'll start to talk about it. To, to flow through us to the point that our body creates a, a motion it's manifesting in a way. Now, it's not a big thing. We're not making miracles or something like that. But you're, you're, allowing, you're allowing something from the inside to happen on the outside. So just a refresher. We talked about this uh, last year uh, or the year before. I can't remember. Um, but um, getting old, I guess. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we've got the, the five senses. You've got see, hear, feel, smell, and taste. And then you've got conscious, reasoning, imagination, affection, and memory. Those are the gates into the spirit. And then in your soul, you've got uh, one door and something operates that, and that's either faith and, or doubt that can be allowed into the soul. So um, talking about you know, the biological side, which is really not what, what I'm preaching on uh, right now, but we're, we're going to go into a little bit more into the spirit. Um, to talk about reasoning, imagination, affection, and memory. We're going to just jump into a couple of quotes. You can just leave that up, Faith. Uh, we're going to kind of reference back to it a couple of times here. So, let's see here. You with me? So far? Okay. Don't go to sleep on me. Okay. The senses. This is from Faith is a Substance. The senses. Five senses. Is that right? See, taste, feel. 
smell, hear. Is that right? Them five senses control the entire human body. Is that right? See, taste, feel, smell, and hear. Now, there's none of them that declare faith. Faith is the sixth sense known to some people as you want to as mental telepathy or whatever you wish to call it. Many of them call it names, but to me it's faith. And that is in and above all five senses of the human body. You see what I mean? Faith is the only direct and positive sense, and it's the sixth sense. Faith is more than sight. Faith is more than feeling. You do not feel faith. You don't taste faith. You don't smell faith. You don't see faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I've got a quote in here. It's actually very uh, interesting. He starts to talk about mental faith, the difference between mental faith and spiritual faith. And let's, I'll just kind of jump down in my, my quotes here. Let's see. Let's see. Talks about, and the biggest part of our faith is mental faith. By hearing the word, it brings us to a mental recognition of God. But if this, coming from above, now he starts to talk about um, later, and we'll, we're kind of jumping around right now, but he starts to bring in an element of mental faith, that when you hear the word, we know that scripturally, faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Right. Do we all agree? Is that the word? Okay. And then when that enters in, it can settle into the spirit it get lodges in the spirit, and we're running it through our memory, conscious, reasoning, imagination, affection. But then he talks about now when God gets a hold of that, God activates it, it drops from the spirit down into the soul. But very often we have a level of mental faith at the first. Amen. I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I guess, really what, what I'm kind of getting into, and I'm a little bit all over the place tonight, but is the title that I had was Know the Truth, and the Truth Shall Make You Free. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And then, of course, we, talk, we read the scripture, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. Of course, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And Revelations 12, we know this very well. Or, uh, verse 11, and they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And then Psalms 19, verse 14, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord. John 8, verse 31, and ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So something, and I, I can't, quite nail this down. I'm just trying to follow God as, as he's leading in the, the quotes, and I've got a lot of them, and the scriptures is something about truth settling into your spirit. Now, we know, and we taught about this last year, you can be born again in the soul and have all of this completely taken over by the devil. You can have your spirit, your conscious, your reasoning completely surrounded and enveloped with lies, effectively. Um, uh, Brother Branham talked about it in enticing spirits that a man can be born again and still be completely insane. And what that is, is he, it talks about it, is you look at it, Joshua, 
is a type of the Holy Spirit. They went into the land to, uh, to take over the land, to bring into possession the land that was already promised. This body is, a, is a, we are called to possess our vessel. Paul talks about it in Romans, about possessing our vessel, to bring this body under subjection. And those things happen as we feed upon the word of God. The spirit that's within us, which can only feed on the word of God, grows and is able to make manifest further out into our being, as it were. With me so far? I see a lot of question marks above people's heads. Okay? Now, you can tie this over to Jesus had the parable of the seeds. Now, we're not going to get this confused. There's a very specific... Um, there's a very specific distinction in that. The sower went forth to sow seed. We know some fell on the stony ground. Some fell, um, you know, uh, got eaten up by birds. Some fell among the weeds and some fell on good ground. And we taught, we think about what fell on good ground a lot. We're like, oh yeah, that's me. God, you know, fell on good ground. That's me, you know, going to bring forth a thousand fold. But then also talks about, it talks about the seed that fell among the thorns. The seed that fell among the thorns, it was on good ground. It did grow, in a sense. It took some root. It wasn't, it just snatched up and gone. I know people that the very epitome of the seed that fell among stony soil. They, they sprung up quick and they're like, oh, glory to God, you know. And then, boom, they're gone. That, that's a perfect representation of those that got carried off. They just got carried off. There wasn't any sub, there was no depth. There was no, no rooting uh, there. Praise God. Well, here you are. Praise the Lord. Hey, maybe the, maybe the, the bird dropped the seed somewhere else. You know? Um, praise the Lord. We can, we can follow that through. There are seeds that fall on, on that uh, among weeds. It wasn't that the ground wasn't good. It was that there were other things that were also planted in that ground. And that's a type of the spirit. Now, not the soul, not the Holy Spirit, but the spirit man. Conscious, memory, reasoning, affection. Is that we've got good ground. We've got good ground. But due to our upbringing, due to our... Uh, our environment, due to our culture, due to whatever, there are things in our spirit that fight against the word of God, that fight against the word of God. And that's why we have that, we have to constantly bring things under subjection to the truth. Brother Branham preached the sermon, The Absolute, and that is he talked about it. He started bringing it into, um, you know, where is your absolute? Where is your truth? What is the thing? And if you want to go into a, a philosophical term, it's called an axiom. A-X-I-O-M. It's an axiom. If you accept that this thing is true, bona fide unto itself, 100% true, everything else must become subject to that thing. It's an absolute, an axiom. If you want to use a philosophical term, we'll just call it an absolute. So you've got... An absolute, thank you, Jordan, I see smile back there. <laughs> we'll just call it an absolute. Um, you've got a foundation stone, a cornerstone for the building. We talk about that, the cornerstone. 
you now I'm not a builder, Jordan's a builder, but you lay that cornerstone in such a way that all the other stones fall into place because that was set correctly. The first stone is correct, set correctly, then everything can fall in line. If this is incorrect, if it's got a goofy angle on it or it's not quite level, everything else is going to be just a little bit unlevel. And so it's very, very, very important to make that initial cornerstone axiom or the absolute sure. You've got to make sure that it is sure. It's the right cornerstone. And so we see that because we, let's say that we're born again and we're saved. There's no problems there. But we've got these things in our spirit that we've always assumed to be true. There are things that are in our spirit that we've accepted to just simply be the way they are. It's, it's true. <laughs> it's funny. So, and I'll just, I'll just, I'll bring it up. So I'm in a relationship. There are things that I never realized. I'm like, wow, wait a second. That's just the way mom and dad said it. There are other people that maybe said something slightly different. And they weren't wrong. It's the way, though, it was a norm for me. It was normal or was a value. And they, you know, got it from either from you know, their upbringing or they got it from, you know, wherever else. And you start to recognize those things and you compare. And it's like, okay, where is there something wrong here? Now you have to check it. You've got to go back to that thing and say, is this stone correct? Is this stone right? Does it have the right angle or the dimensions? And you start to do those measuring things. Now, the key thing is, running with something here. With me? Okay, just stay with me. So I'm just trying to follow as the Lord leads. Is that as we, let's say that we have, um, well, let's take this. Um, not everyone was born in America in this room. There are certain things from a different, or from a different state even. Brother Steve, from Kentucky originally, right? I'm sure there were things that when you moved to the north, you're like, wow, it's a little different. Or Jordan from Phoenix coming up here. There are some things that are cultural axioms. They're absolutes that you start to recognize, wait a second, this is a little bit different. Neither one of them is necessarily right or wrong in unto themselves because they aren't absolutes. The word is absolute. The word is the absolute. And the problem is, is that once one particular uh, outlook is accepted as an absolute, one, first off, it's a lie. Two, then even the word itself is forced to bend to that. Brother Branham preached against systems over and over. There's, if there's one thing he preached against in his entire ministry, he preached against organized religion. Now, that wasn't, it wasn't, he wasn't saying, let's have chaos religion. You know, let's all just believe whatever. I've been to, I've been to a church one time that was a non-denominational Bible-believing church. You would not believe how chaotic that thing was. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. Because they had no foundation. They didn't have an absolute. So they were just all over it was just it was there was no consistency to anything that was said because he didn't have an absolute praise the lord 
Brother Branham preached again and again against organized religion, against the system of religion. Why? Why? Because this system is now taken to be an absolute. And you have to pass through the system or else it just doesn't work. You have to pass through the system. And it's interesting because with systems even, in general, we'll just take in, in the general world, 10 steps to losing fat, something like that. There's an assumption that's being made at the beginning of that system that everyone going, it's, it's actually built off of, it's built off of the Industrial Revolution. Look, here's a, uh, an assembly line. You have the raw material, you put them at the beginning, you strip them out, and you just put this thing on, put that tire on. At the end, you'll have a finished product, right? That's a system. You're, it's designed in order to bring about a specific outcome. But what it doesn't take into account, not everything, not every person put into this is the same. They're not the same. And that's why a system will never work. It will never work. A system, so uh, I administer as a part of my job, I've probably personally done at least six or seven personality tests. Personally, like these are professional level personality tests. So I know who I am psychologically because I've done these. I have to administer them as part of my job. It's very interesting because there's a level of consistency that comes. Once you take a bunch of them, you're like, oh, wow, the overlap. You can see pretty clearly who this flesh man is or you know, who you are at the flesh level because God is always obviously changing us. We're growing. But is there certain systems that apply and appeal to specific personalities. It's actually proven. There are literally statistical factors that if your personality is this, you're almost guaranteed to be liberal. And if your personality is this, you're almost guaranteed to be conservative. There it's statistical evidence that is almost 100%. And then you can take that into other things. Look at Minnesota. Minnesota is the nice state. Everyone's so nice. Um, and I, I'm not, I won't go into politics at all, but I hear people at work all the time. You know why they hate Trump? It's not because they disagree with his politics. It's because he's so mean. He's so mean. I cannot tell you how many times I've heard that. He's so mean. And that's beside the point. That doesn't matter. We know that God, you know, ultimately, Satan rules the world right now. Whoever happens to be up there in the, in the throne up there, we know that it's working towards God's purpose. Either way, it's working towards God's purpose. It doesn't really matter. So, but because he's so mean. So if you start to break it down, it's like, oh, you've got a little kingdom, a little system built up that is built around a particular bent in behavior a particular bent in action and thought, and that's Minnesota culture, or at least the Minneapolis culture. It's a particular way, and that is assumed to be true. And if you go against that, well, then you're wrong. You're just wrong. I've even heard people say earlier today, or not this today, this month, they made it as a, a random presumption like that at work where it was just like, so-and-so said this, well, they're just wrong. And it's like, are you sure about that? Based on what? Once again, it's back to 
well, they're just so mean or whatever, you know. And so you, you, you're taking something and assuming it to be true because it's rooted in fear, which, by the way, niceness, where does that apply? Affection. It's letting your affection be your guide. Yeah. Yeah. And then you've got plenty of other people um, that might let their, their memory be their guide. Now, you could maybe say that that's down south because they can't get over the Civil War. And they're just, you know, their memory is their guide. And I remember my great, great dandy, grad daddy or whatever. Um, and you, you're letting a bent. Brother Bantam talked about it. The, the seed, going back to that seed, can be growing. It's good seed. It's a good plant. But you allow something to kind of fall over on top of it. And now it grows just slightly in a bend. It's still good. It's still a good seed, but it's just not quite straight. Just not quite right. And so the key, uh, you know, why we're talking about this is that those things, not only does that influence everyone else if that's bent, it influences you. Because you're not going to see quite right. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Know the correct absolute, and that will set you free. There are things that each one of us, myself, every single one of you, has accepted to be true that is totally a lie. Totally a lie. This is uh, scripture, Psalms 19, verse 12. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse thou me from my secret faults. My things... I don't even know that I'm doing wrong. And that's why when God reveals something to you, it's not just, oh, God, I'm such a horrible person. It's thank God that I can see it. The truth has set me free. I can see it. Oh, my. I never realized how bad of a problem that was for me. And you can rejoice in that, that God, there, there's the first step of victory. They even talk about it. Good grief. Even in psychology, they talk about the first step to, to breaking out of an addiction is recognizing you have a problem. That's the first step, recognizing you have a problem. So if you can recognize you've got a problem, that's great. Praise God for our problems that we can see. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Still with me? This making sense so far? Amen. 55. Uh, from 1955, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's one thing to teach something. There's another thing for God to confirm it and say it's the truth. There's one thing to say something. It's another thing to do something. It's not hearers. It's doers. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith, said Paul, by my works. If you believe it, you'll act upon it. That's it. And then your faith becomes works, and God can go with you. Excuse me. God can go with you then. If you believe something, you'll act it out. It's not the things that we say we believe. Now, we may be working unto that. Like we talked about mental faith. You might have something up here that you're professing, and you should keep professing it. 
because you're allowing it, you're, he, you're reminding yourself of it, you're speaking it out so you can hear it yourself again, so it can re-enter because faith comes by hearing, you're bringing it back into your consciousness over and over and over again, waiting for that to drop down into your soul, waiting for that to become total manifestation, but the things you actually do show what you believe, shows what you believe. Paul talked about it. He talked about it. When I would do good, evil is present. I do the things that I wish that I wouldn't do. Why? Because there's still things laying in there. There are things that I believe that I've accepted to be true, and I act those things out. Amen. Praise the Lord. The mind is the womb of the spirit. I've got a longer quote here. I'm just going to read part of it. Um, from 1962, the spoken word is the original seed. There is a spiritual womb and a physical womb, and the mind is the womb to the spirit. Now remember, I told you last Sunday and draw it out there for you. These five senses that enters the seed from the outside. And we'll kind of skip past this part. It says the same thing. See, taste, feel, smell, hear. Five on the inside, conscious, and so forth. Now, on the life side, there's only one. That's your basis of free moral agency to accept it or take it out. Let's see. That's how adultery is committed spiritually. When you, knowing better, by the word of God, by the intercourse of the mind, take in a lie of the devil against the word of God. That's exactly what Eve done with spiritual intercourse first, then come by believing Satan's lie into the womb of her mind. That polluted her soul, set death in the soul, then the natural act taken place. So what is he talking about is it was received in the mind and then acted out. It's all received in the mind, acted out. And how is it received in the mind? By listening. It starts by listening. It starts by allowing some sense of fellowship thing, whatever it is, by stopping and listening. And that can go in into any one of the gates. I mean, you can talk about it, conscious memory, reasoning, imagination, or affection. It's stopping and listening. There's a testimony, and I didn't have time to pull it up, of a woman that was a dancer. Um, we Many of us know the story. But there was a woman that was a dancer, came to Brother Brandon's meetings, was saved. Long story short, knocked on the door. Brother Brandon in the middle of the night, she's like, oh, Brother Bill, I'm lost, I'm lost. Because she found, she said, I was walking down the road and I heard the music. I heard the that dance music and I thought, well, I'll just go see if I can testify to them. Think about that. What a bold-faced lie that Satan can present to get us to go do something we know we shouldn't do. I'll go testify. Like, that sounds so spiritual, right? Like, oh, I'm going to go back to the place where I, you know, I'm free and it's going to be great. And, you know, everyone's going to. And then she found herself out on the dance floor again. Boom. And then, of course, we know uh, the story. Brother Branham prayed for her and a, like a bat preacher came out uh, from behind her. I mean, just an absolute devil um, and saw the, the actual demon. But the key thing is, and Brother Branham made it a point to talk about it, is that she stopped 
to it. Stop to listen to it. And it's the same thing for us. How do things become birthed in our spirit? Because we stopped and listened to something at some point. We allowed something to, to take control. You're no good, and you're never going to change. That's the devil. It's a lying spirit. But you accept it to be true, and you live in it. it. It becomes possession of your spirit, and by that, your body, because you will do the things you believe. You will act out and live out the things that you believe. So if you've accepted it, you will do it. I love this. Uh, these, there's a couple of quotes here. 1951, my commission. Let's see. Uh, you're nervous, aren't you? This is in the prayer line. Extremely nervous. You haven't, you lost quite a bit of weight too. I see a lady standing before me that's much heavier than you and say, and he kind of goes on, uh, starts to talk about, you know, the description of, of the woman. Um, do you believe now? You're all tightened up all the time. What is it? You've put yourself in a strain. You've been through quite a bit of strain anyhow. You started worrying not long ago and looked like something happened to you that just got you all tightened up. Now that is nothing but the devil trying to hinder you. Now it's Satan trying to curse you and throw that before you. And you mustn't accept it. You must throw it down and believe now. Is that the truth? Well, come here just a moment. Then he prays for her. I pray thee, heal our dear sister just now. Thou demon, leave the woman. Come out from her in the name of Jesus Christ. Leave her. Now look at here, sister. You accept it now. All right? Go rejoicing and happy and get into the work of the Lord. <clears throat> this kind of all built off of that. I had said it the other Sunday. I was just thinking about it, and it, and it really blessed me, and it really helped me that I had heard someone say it, and it just blew my mind that Satan, for me, I've got victory in my memory. By God's grace, I've got victory in my memory. My past does not haunt me. Though there are things that I still recognize, I'm like, that affected me, and I'm still reaping from that, but it doesn't haunt me because I know it's under the blood. And if I do something else stupid... It's under the blood because that's why we have the blood. It's why we have the blood. We're saved, but we have the blood of Jesus so that when we make mistakes, because we're all going to, we're still stuck in these bodies of flesh, that we have the ability to bring that before the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy. That is what we have. And so if Satan is coming up and saying, you did this, this, and this, and you can say, sure, before the blood, I mean, really, that's already covered. I don't have to take that into acknowledgement. I'm not bound by that. My actions of today are not bound by my past, nor are yours. But you will reap some of the consequences of the actions of your past. But the, the thing that I had listened to, the guy was saying, you defeated Satan in your memory. And now what he's done is come around to your imagination. You've defeated him in the past, and now he's defeating you in your future. And that just blew my mind. I was like, that's, that's me. 
I saw, and once again, the first step of victory is recognizing, Brother Branham said, um, victory is recognizing the enemy in every one of his tricks. And so for me, I saw it that, oh my, I've been allowing Satan to battle me and take, take over an area in my imagination of what could be, of, because anything can happen. I mean, that's the key thing. I had wrote it down here, actually. It's kind of as an exercise uh, that we might do about what we know and what we don't know. Because Satan will maximize on the things we don't know. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We uh, might all die tonight. I have no idea. You know, we don't know. We, we don't know. But what we do know, all things work together for our good. Because Jesus said so. You know, um, that God's, he's the God that heals all of our diseases. Great. That sounds like a good one to keep in mind. You know, and that God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And so these things we do know. But if we ever stop, and this is for me, this is myself, if I ever stop and listen to, well, what about what you don't know? And of course, he won't say it like that. It's, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? And now it's working in a realm of imagination. And the key thing with a lie is you can never know. There's no way to know because a lie is bottomless. The bottomless pit is a lie. It's a lie. That's why you can never found the initial absolute. You can't find that cornerstone because there isn't one. There never was one. There is no foundation. And that's why it's a bottomless pit of continual searching and confusion and haze because you can never find the answers. And so if you don't have any answers, you know where you are. You're walking, you're living in hell. You're living under, under an atmosphere of hell. That's hell. You've descended into a land of chaos where there's no right answers. There's no way to know. Everywhere you look, there's just another question. And I think it's amazing. I thought of this at one point. Look at a question mark. What does a question mark look like? It looks like a serpent. It's just kind of like. Because that's how Satan comes. Look at what he did to Eve. He comes up with a question. He didn't start coming in and telling all the terrible things about God or don't you want to come join my side or something like that. You know, he didn't. He started with a question. And it's the same thing for us. Look at how we came to Jesus. It's good stuff. So looking into this is how is Satan coming against us in our memory, our conscience, our reasoning, our imagination, and our affection? Affection is a tricky one because it's, it is the way that Satan... Now, Satan, one thing, Brother Branham said, one thing Satan cannot do is he cannot impersonate. He can impersonate anything, but he can't impersonate real divine love. But he'll sure try through affection. He'll sure try through affection. Oh, I would say that to that person, but... I just, you know, I want to be a good Christian. And that term, at least in Minnesota, has often been emblazoned with being kind, being nice. 
And, um, and that's fine. You should be kind and nice, as long as it doesn't conflict with the word of God. There are points where it says there's a time to love and there's a time to kill. That's in Ecclesiastes. There's a time for war. There's a time for these different things. And there's a different representation. You know, even the, I've had people say, how could a loving God let people go to hell? Right? That's an old, old argument against God. It's like, well, if God is real, let's assume God's real if he's a God of love. Because the God of love that's been represented by system organized Christianity actually put in place affection rather than true love. So they've been placed that and represented by that over and over and over again. And then they counter that with if God really does love us, how on earth could he allow um, how on earth could he allow people to go to hell? I've got a cousin who doesn't believe in hell because it's not real. You know, or something like that. The Greek word, something, something, you know, it's not real. It was made up by the pro Protestants. And it's like, you can live next to Hitler then. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but really, <laughs> I'm sorry that distracted me for a second. Um, things that we accept to be true that aren't true. Believing a lie, a lie is bottomless. It's interesting because, and I, I've thought of this many times, is that if you look at the first lie is, surely thou shalt not die, right? And that, well, it started before that, but then it's presented after that with, surely you shall not die. It's the same lie that's perpetuated over and over again today. It's, it's an idea of we can somehow cheat death as humans, either through our genes, maybe our genes just kind of like, or going to Mars, or maybe, you know, whatever. And it's the Tower of Babel all over again, you know, again and again. We're always trying to find, there's, why is that, that man can't escape this need to survive something, this, this desire to supersede death? They can't. Because it's built right in. It's the lie that they accepted, and it's built right in to the DNA. I mean, it's built right in. And it's something that people have accepted to be true, that it's possible. You think about a utopia or whatever. It's always like those guys over there, if only they would get out of here, then we can have a utopia. I know Mama talked about it before. She was going through a register. I wish the rapture would hurry up and happen so these Christians would get out of here and we could have some fun. Remember, mom had said that before. And some people believe that, that the Christians are the problem. You know, pe religion is the problem. Yeah, there are people that believe that. Religion's the problem, and if we didn't have religion, then we could all get along, basically. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, um, which is actually interesting. Um, talking about being possessed by the word. So you take, and we, we won't say, we'll say far left-leaning people, maybe not liberals, because I can't, I'm not going to preach against liberals, or conservatives, really. Anyone who takes on an ideologue. An ideologue is an, is a, an idea. It is a completely, ultimately, it's the word of something. It's the word of something. 
effectively, if you think about this, your spirit is the software to your hardware. It's like a computer. You've got the hardware, which is the actual physical this. This is the hardware. This is your body. This, I can touch it. It can hear me because it has a microphone and it's got speakers and you know all that, right? It's whatever's on the software, though, is going to make manifest on the outside. And whatever I download on here is what is going to come to life before my very eyes. And so an individual who takes on an ideologue, who, who takes on an idea for full possession. I know people that are in Antifa or anti, you know, they're out there having riots. They're having a blast. Um, <laughs> they're having a riot, literally. You know, and they've allowed themselves to believe something so fully that they're literally almost willing to die for it. And you think about that. That is a perversion. That's a perversion of Christianity. It's a god. They've allowed that thing, to, and they've brought their body under subjection to a god. And that is what they give. They worship that. They worship it. Praise the Lord. I actually had a uh, situation at work not that long ago. Long story. doesn't really matter. I was having a very pleasant conversation uh, with someone on the other end of the room, totally not related. It was totally, it was, it was like not, neither of us were having any problems. Someone all the way on the other end of the room yells at me, we still call the Holocaust genocide or something, and it was in reference to Native Americans. And they were just like, ah, and they just started like screaming. I'm not even joking. This actually happened. And I just thought of how amazing that is that here's someone who, if, if you talk to them, they would, they would see someone that's a Christian. If I started yelling, if your, your sin, you're going to hell, you know, if you're, you're, your sins are going to take you to hell and it's going to be terrible, you know, if I started yelling that, that person would probably, like, have no problem, like, stoning me, you know, because that's, that's, they've accepted that ideologue. But they can manifest the exact same thing based, it's a spirit. They can manifest something that they're doing the exact same actions, but in an idea that they've accepted. And that's how, you look at it, Brother Branham talked about it, all throughout the Dark Ages and throughout history, people killed Christians thinking they were serving God. And it's the same thing that will happen someday. Actually, even right now, you look at over in other countries, it happens. People kill other people believing that they're serving God. Why? Because they've become possessed. Become possessed by an idea. They've accepted a lie. And so, the key for us is to look at ourselves and say, where have I accepted a lie? Where am I not quite manifesting the truth? Where am I lying to myself? Because you can't. The worst kind of lie is the one you tell yourself. Because sometimes you don't even realize it anymore. You don't realize that you're lying to yourself. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Contend for the faith, 1955. If that isn't the gospel, I don't know it, what 
I don't know it, friends. With all these years that the gospel is clear as I know, there's no man could save you. He can only present the word of God to you. That's the only thing he could do. It's God's written word. He could present it. You act upon what you believe, whether it's true or not. You act upon what you believe. And what, whatever you allow to come into, you manifest. And the, one of the things that and I've been meaning to preach on, and we will eventually, is to talk about influences. Influences. Because you have to hear it first. You have to hear it. You have to let it into your spirit first before it can take seed. These things don't come from nowhere. They don't come from nowhere. Look at school shootings. I've thought about this a lot. School shootings have been so well marketed. They've been so well marketed. They're so, it's, like, it's, it's like in a package and everyone wants to buy it. And everyone wants to use it for something. But the, and the problem with that is, look it. It's just going to happen more and more because it's continually presented to the mind of man. Because it's entering into the spirit. I guarantee you, every single time it happens, there's someone somewhere that thinks, that's a pretty good idea. Because it's being put in front of them again and again and again. It's being well marketed. It's being presented to their spirit. Over and over and over and over and over. And just as we allow ourselves to lay under the word of God to, be, to grow, to be filled with his spirit, you know, why do we come to church? <coughs> to grow. We want to keep God, you know, show me something else that I didn't know. Show me something else. Feed my spirit. Get me back on the right path. Refocus my mind. Get me back going. But you've got the false side of that when something is continuously brought to the mind over and over and over and over. And so it's very, very important for us to not allow, is to start setting boundaries. And you don't set boundaries just right at the point of danger. You, you look at the... the the kingdom of Israel back in the day, they had boundaries. It was very specific. God laid out their boundaries. And the reason why they had problems later is because they never pushed the enemy totally out of those boundaries. They never did that. And so they always, they kept having problems. And it's the same thing for us, is to start setting up boundaries. And sometimes the boundary isn't right in the moment. So let's say gossip. So let's say one of us, let's say I have a problem with gossip. I don't, thank God. <laughs> I don't, um, thank God. But let's say if I did, you know, the place of boundary is not at the water cooler at work necessarily. It's like I'm just going to not gossip with them. It's like way before then. It's with setting my affection on things above first off, and then it's, Maybe I just don't even go over there. That's setting up the appropriate boundary because now that influence isn't allowed. You think about the sun, the influence of the sun. If we go out in the sun, you're naturally going to start having a reaction. 
because the sun is hitting your skin. It's starting to hit the barrier of your body. And it's the same thing with your spirit. You go in that atmosphere of that thing, and it's broadcasting. It's shining. Look at me. You know, it's shining. That spirit is just shining, and it is starting to try to touch into your spirit. And if you've got a, recept a reception to that, that's going to be very, very difficult. Now, of course, God can, God can do. Obviously, he can bring us a victory in that. But Brother Branham even said, you know, don't just like go down to the bar like God's got me, given me victory over this thing. I'm just going to go hang out at the bar. No, he said, he said, if you say, hey, I'll hold on to my testimony. I'll just have a soda or something and I'll go to the bar. He said, I doubt it. His exact words, I doubt it. And it's the same thing. Yep, because you're putting yourself under an influence you're putting yourself under an influence. And it's the same thing with everything else. The, the Bible talks about, now conscience is an interesting thing. Because in some sense, a conscience is built as a guide. In a way, if you don't have the Holy Spirit, it is to some extent, it's a guide. But what happens is you can have your conscience seared. Uh, scripture talks about it. You can have your conscience seared. And what that is, is when you continually go against your conscience, you do things that you know you shouldn't do, and now you have confusion. Because you don't know what's right and wrong. You can't discern because you've constantly seared that. And there's healing for that too. There's healing for our memories, there's healing for our conscience, our affection. You know, when we talk about divine healing, I think too often we start to think about the physical side. It's like, well, God, you know, I got all my arms. Thank God, you know, um, or whatever. And, and those things, you know, physical healing is a great thing. But the scripture says, a wounded spirit, who can bear? A wounded spirit. Because you can't see right when you have a wounded spirit. Everything is just... You look at someone, and, and I, I interview people all the time. I counted the other day. I've done over 1,500 interviews. I've talked to a lot of people. And you see the arcs of people's lives and the, the outcome of the decisions that they've made. And I feel so sad sometimes um, because it's, it's sad when you give someone advice and you know they're not going to take it. You know they're – like, I've interviewed people beginning of the career, 17 years old people in their 70s all applying for the same job same job and it's like after a while you start to recognize patterns and it's like oh man you know I have Mr. 20 year old sitting in my in the chair and I'm like stop just don't do it don't do it and of course I'm not going to yell at him like that but like inside it's like no don't do it don't do it do not do it I had a guy the other day that um, I felt really bad for because he did not listen to me at all. And that's not that I know everything. It's not at all. But I could see it. I was like, he's, he's doing nothing with his life. And he's got bad habits. And I can see that 10 years from now, hopefully, he'll wake up and he'll see the outcome of his actions. But for now, it's going to ruin his life if you keep up those habits influences 
the, the importance of not allowing ourselves to become subject to an influence. Smith Wigglesworth, who's a great evangelist, I believe over in uh, England, England would not even allow a newspaper in his house. Why? He didn't want to be influenced. He didn't want his vision to be skewed. Because now you have to filter it through this and this. And we live in a, a world of noise, of constant, constant attention getting noise. And it, it's, it's to the point where even marketers hardly know how to market to people. Because there's so much noise. There's so many people trying to get your attention that eventually we just shut everything off. I was listening to someone the other day, and it, it was very, very interesting. And uh, he even said, and this was from a secular person, said, there's so much information now, we've got to get back to just believing. Because when you have so many streams of information, you never quite know what is true. There's so many options, so many things to listen to. There's even, uh, there's a book called The Paradox of Choice, and they've proven the more choices you have, the less satisfied you are with the choice you make. Because there's so many options. You know, we'll take a workout plan. Do you want to do keto? Do you want to do paleo? Do you want to do, uh, do you want to do the, um, you know, the nomad diet? Do you want to do this one? Which way would you like it? I mean, there's so many options. You will never be able to analyze all of them. There, it's the same thing with churches. Praise the Lord, Brother Brad. That was good. That's true. Same. How do you want it? Do you want it extra Pentecostal with extra sauce? You know, do you want it like extra Baptistology? You know, do you want it 20 minutes? How about an hour and a half? Once a week? Twice a week? Do you want the cruise version? You know, like there's churn and burn. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. That's a good point. Yeah, I'm sure there are churn and burn churches. You know, and it's, it's this constant, how do you know what to believe? When there's a constant trying to get your attention, constant trying to get your attention. And I think that that's one of the reasons why, and it's, it's not to create a doctrine at all, God allowed it that we still have the wilderness. We can go outside. No phone. No fun? No fun going outside? Well, maybe not in the wintertime. Um, yeah, no fun in the wilderness. But there's no more streams. There's nothing there to talk to you. There's no one there to advertise you until you pull out your phone. So we need to be cautious, and this is important for each one of us, obviously for ourselves, for our loved ones. We've talked about this as well, and it's a scriptural, or we've talked about this before, is a scriptural precedent is bad company corrupts good manners. You are the equivalent of the people you surround yourself with. You are the equivalent of the things that you allow to influence you. So the question is, if we're recognizing we've got a problem in an area in the spirit, the first thing to do is say, where is this coming from? Where is it coming from? And sometimes it's coming from people. You know, there's a, 
well, I'm just going to say it because it's here, and it has nothing to do with any of my relations, but this is very common to talk about this. Families, some people's primary absolute is their family. You can't come against the fam. You know, this is the absolute, this family. And if you come against this, you're dead meat, you know, you're dead meat. And that to them supersedes the word, supersedes the word. And it sometimes supersedes good or bad influences. There are people in your blood relation that are not good for you not good for you specifically because they're related to you we all know that we're more comfortable around people relate or we're more there's a different kind of stream of information flow of blood flow there's a different kind of influence factor and if someone's got something like that a hold over you in a way and if that person has the wrong spirit that spirit can have a hold over you like you wouldn't believe they talk about this and it's very with with kids and parents if a parent has a wrong spirit they've allowed themselves to become possessed by a false spirit that person in effect is god to their child they're god they're the i mean they are naturally kids growing up with their parents it's a god figure god allowed that We're, we call god our heavenly father for a reason it's a symbol you know, this is God. This is life. This, this is one of the most important factors to give vision and meaning and purpose for our entire lives. There are people that are in their 60s and 70s and still can't get past those things from when they were 7, 8, 9 years old because of things that their parents said to them or did with them. So it's important that we consecrate the spirit to God and to say, God, where is my memory being influenced? Where is my conscience being seared? Where is my reasoning being manipulated? Where is my imagination being perverted? And where is my affection being used? try to come to a close here. I don't want to keep you guys. There's even a quote here, and I know um, it's a, many of us know this quote, but from Believe Ye That I'm Able to Do This. He's talking to someone on the prayer line. He says, when you was a child, a little boy with knee pants on, you got problems with something. Believe it's a dog chased you or something. Isn't that right? A big dog, and you run to a porch. That's right. See it as a little boy. Is that the truth, sir? And this person has been battling you know, um, depression and, and anxiety and so forth, and, and a lot of mental troubles. Those things that go back that we don't even remember when we were kids influence us today. So the question, once again, though, is not to dig them up from our memory or our affection or whatever and say, now we get to cast blame or stones on other people. It's to identify it and give it to God. I said, identify it, give it back to God. God, you've revealed this. Here you go. Because we're not here, we're not here to be victims of anything. We're not here to be like, oh my goodness, the world's, you know, Jesus said, Jesus said, he talked about the world will be against you, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. 
So there's things in our spirit and in our flesh that are against us. But be of good cheer. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, and it will quicken your mortal body. Amen. Last couple of things here. Uh, we're coming into a close. Here the other night, this is in The Messiah, 1961, I saw on a telecast of a man with psychic mental faith set a glass of water and stood back and kept concentrating on that glass of water till it bursted it, just by concentration, watching that glass of water. And the glass cracked and the water run out, just pure mental concentration. Why? That's his fiber. That's his makeup. If he can do that, got a power in him by mental thinking that can break a glass of water and him being a sinner that shows that there was something made in that man. He's in a fallen, perverted condition, but if that man can only get back to God and God let God get into him, why, with that power turned loose to the kingdom of God, he didn't have no conductor. He was like a shotgun. He just splattered every way. But if that spirit that's in a man could be converted and put Christ in there, a conductor is a wire that conducts it. Amen. And let a man with that same faith in the conductor of the word of God he can raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. Amen. He's fashioned like a God. And he's talking about this, and we kind of mentioned it briefly about mental faith. And I think that this is, um, this is important, and, and maybe we'll talk about this sometime, is um, music, movies, books, oftentimes we think that these things don't mean anything. We don't think that, oh, it's just the news. Oh, it's just music. Oh, it's just this book. Oh, it's just that. It's entertainment or whatever. But we don't recognize that there's a power behind it. Brother Bram was talking about it. He, wa he saw this on some t TV somewhere. Here's a man that by actual mental faith, a perverted faith, is blowing apart bottles. And now to us in our American ways, like, oh, that's all just tricks, you know, he just... No, Brother Branham said it, and he actually says this multiple times. There's multiple places he talks about it, that men with regular old faith are doing crazy things. And he talks about the, the he talk, you look at Balaam. Balaam is a perversion of Moses. He had the gift, but it wasn't yielded to God. He had the gift, and he had the ability by his own mental faith and and yielding that to the wrong spirit to do things and we think about it we're in service and we worship and we're like praise god yes the spirit of god was there play the tambourine whatever and we know the spirit of god is there because the spirit of god is operating it but if the music is being operated by some other spirit what is happening there's a different spirit that is coming into that atmosphere that is coming into the channels. Why do we worship? We're worshiping so we can bring our bodies under subjection to yield ourselves to God and allow his spirit to come and flow through us and speak to us where we need him. That's what we're doing. We're yielding. We're opening up to God. When we're, we're, um, the scripture says that the uh, Lord inhabits the praises of his people. And so these other things, or we even by reading the word of God, the, the word of God, the spirit of God is being made manifest and ministering to us. So if that's true, then by reading the word of a false God, 
or allowing the anointing of a false god to come into manifestation, you're bringing yourself under the influence and into fellowship with that spirit. You're allowing yourself to come underneath that and let it minister unto you. It's so easy with physical things. People get it. Alcohol. Everybody knows that's a painkiller to take the place of God. If you want to go drink a bunch and just wipe all your sorrows away, you're using that as a substitute to try to drown the thirst that God put in there for him. And it's the same thing. Uh, We can do it with music. Oh, I just love blues. It just, ah, you know, it just puts me in that atmosphere. Right, it puts us in an atmosphere of communion with something. These things don't come from nowhere. The words don't come from nowhere. Do you know that many pop singers were formerly in the Pentecostal church? Many of them. Many, oh my goodness, there's so many of them. Brother Branham even talked about it with Elvis Presley. He came into being and into stardom out of the Pentecostal church. And there's many, and I I don't have a list of them, but I know of many, basically most of the names uh, that you would know. Justin Bieber came out of uh, Pentecostal church. Um, There's a lot, and if you don't know who that is, yeah, I mean, it's, it's some of the high billboard people. Why? Because they're doing the same thing that we're doing here. We're here to praise God. They're there to praise something else. And it's a ministry. They're, allow, they're, they're a conduit of praise to something. And they're letting that manifest out. And that's coming into our conscience, coming into our affection, coming into our imagination. And it's allowing that seed to come into the womb of our mind under an umbrella of influence. So we need to be careful. What are we allowing to influence us? What are we fellowshipping with? Because sometimes the answer is stay away from it. Other times it's strengthen yourself in an area so that you can see the enemy coming. Um, You know, understanding it more because you understand what's happening. So you can sidestep it when Satan tries to come. But it is ultimately the number one thing we can do is not be blind to it. If we're blind to it, Satan's going to get us every single time. We don't even see him coming. He just walks right in and takes what he wants. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. going to go ahead and go into a close. I've got a lot of different quotes here, but it's time, so we're just going to go ahead and close. Know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's so funny. Look at, look at even back 2,000 years ago. Pilate. Jesus comes before him. I think all of us wish we were Pilate sometimes. If you could talk to Jesus, no one's rushing you. I mean, it's, it's you, you and Jesus, one-on-one. And he asks him, what is truth? He doesn't even really ask it. He just says it. What is truth? And it goes back to 2,000 years ago. They were trying to figure that out. What is truth? 
And it's the same thing today. By having so many avenues and so many ideas and so many streams of influence, it causes confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. So if we don't have a place of rest with God, we don't have that real rest. There's another quote Brother Branham said, all of the Christian walk is built on rest. The Holy Ghost, the representation, the Sabbath day is the day of rest. And that's just a type of the Holy Spirit. We've entered into his rest. We can have peace that passes understanding. We get, can have joy unspeakable. And this is for me too. If we're, if we're abiding in the word of God, if we're abiding in him, but if we're abiding under something else, you know, you can think of Jesus, I've come to, to uh, you know, set people free. You know, Satan has come to bind everything that Jesus came to do. Satan come to do the exact opposite. So if we're not feeling rest, why? Because we're allowing ourselves to come under an influence of something. And we need to say, God, I'm not at rest. Why? And come back underneath the umbrella of the word of God, because where where there's God, there's liberty, there's peace, there's that influence, and we've got the fruits of the Spirit. Those things don't happen because we make them happen. They happen as an outcome of the indwelling and the overshadowing of the Spirit of God. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Redeem means to bring back to its original state. So if we've lost touch, God, bring us back again. Help us just walk back again. You know, sometimes we leave, we, leave, we grieve the Holy Spirit um, by which we're sealed. And that doesn't mean he's not still there. It's just he isn't able to have an effect on you because you've turned your back on him. Just like a friend. There are friends, I've got friends, I'm sure we've all got friends, relatives that we love. And we would do anything for them, but they've turned their back on us. They've, tur they've turned their back, and there's, we, have, we have no ability to help them anymore because of where our stand is with the word. You know, I've got plenty of friends that have, that have you know, gone into the world or you know, drink all kinds of stuff that is not right. I'm there for them, but they don't. There's no communion anymore. It's the same thing. God will always be our friend. God will, he hasn't forgotten us, you know? If we feel as if God's forgotten us, it's a sign that we've forgotten God. Amen. Let's just go to Lord in prayer. Mom, you can go ahead and come. Praise the Lord. Dear Father, Lord, I would just commit the service tonight into your hands. Lord, I just trust that something was said uh, that would help someone, Lord God, Father, and Lord, you know the purpose of preaching this way is not to bring any kind of co condemnation, but to bring freedom in your spirit, Lord God. Father, we want to be free, uh, all of us, Lord God, each one of us. We've all got things in our minds that we battle with, Lord God, as Satan is always against us. But Father, you said that your seed would possess the gates of their enemy. And Father, I just pray uh, tonight, Lord God, that you would bring things to our mind, uh, Lord, where we can see where the enemy has a stronghold, Lord God, 
but that we'd be able to give those things to you, Lord God, that we'd be able to see that it's not by our own might, it's not by our strength, it's not by what we can do, but it's by yielding to your spirit and letting you have it, Lord God. Father, we just commit it into your hands, Lord God. If there was anything said in error, I just pray that you'd forgive me, Lord God, and, and may it not be brought to our remembrance, Lord. Father, be with each one as we go our ways, Lord. And uh, Father, I just pray if there are weeds in our lives, Lord God, Father, that you'd root them out, Lord God. Help us, Lord, to grow in your word, we pray. We just commit it into your hands. We love you, Lord. We appreciate you. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Dad, you can go ahead and come. Yes, yes. 